Hello, Texans, and welcome into NRG Stadium. I'm Mark Vandermeer. Welcome to Texans All Access, the show that takes you across the hall from the locker room near your Texans players, although they're not around tonight. Maybe a couple of guys might be in the building doing something, working out, whatever, but this is the long break I call the desert, the five and a half weeks between minicamp and training camp, but it is hardly empty of things to talk about, right? Of things going on or not going on that I will get into tonight for you. We're going to take inventory of the team in this very segment. Drew Doherty and D.P. Sidhu are going to join me a little bit later on. We're going to go over the top storylines heading into training camp. And I guess another one jumped into the fray since we sort of organized some of these desert uh, segments going into this period. And let's just get it right out on the table. The Texans obviously don't have a general manager right now. A week ago Friday... The release of Brian Gain. They relieved him from his duties. They went on a search. Now, they interviewed a couple of candidates that following weekend, so that was a week ago, right? Nine, eight days ago. And then on Wednesday last week, a story broke that the Patriots were pursuing tampering charges against the Texans for their pursuit of Nick Casario, director of player personnel. And then on Friday, the Patriots said no charges. The Texans said there was a clause in Casario's contract they didn't know about, and all bets are off with Casario for the moment. Now, a story broke today in the Boston Globe about Casario, written by Ben Volan, and he was on Sports Radio 610 earlier talking about, and he said it was his opinion, really, that Casario might be unhappy, whatever, whatever the case may be. That's their business in their building right now. In this building, the business is of an ongoing process, because what you have here, and I get it from the outside looking in, what's going on inside the building? Let's take inventory of the situation. I said this a bit on Friday. You have a team in place, not just a team of players, but a team of management and people to take care of things. Now, as far as taking care of things goes, this is a very quiet period in the NFL. This is the quietest of periods in the NFL. I once had a conversation with Mike Florio of ProFootballTalk.com about this period, and he said he actually loves this in that any news that he has, people flock to his site because he's an aggregate site of news going on in the NFL. He said since there's so little, when he's got something, it's going to be big. He says during the season, it's not, I mean, he probably gets huge volume during the season, but he doesn't shine as much because everybody's got stuff and everybody's following the flow of the season and what's the game coming up that week and what happened last week and what are we going to do about it? Oh my gosh, and it's the season. This is not the season. But for the Texans, what's going on? I can tell you that guys are in the building working on things, and I really don't know exactly how it's all going to shake out. I really can't tell you right now. Is there going to be a GM in place next week, next year? I don't know how they're going to handle it. I do know this, that they have enough people on the staff right now to handle whatever they need to handle. I mean, they can handle a draft right now if they had to because they have a player personnel department of over 20 people. You still have Matt Bazergan here, Director of Player Personnel, and Rob Kissel, who's been here since the beginning of time, Director of Pro Personnel. And you have Chris Olson, who is the guy who does the salary cap stuff, executive management. I mean, Chris Olson's been around here for a long time. Uh, obviously, when you're looking at Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, who you've heard so much about, you have smart guys in the building to figure things out as they go through this process of whether it's more evaluation, whether it's continuing the search for a GM, whether it's we're okay for now. There was one report out there that they're okay for now and they're just going to go a while without a GM. And they're not talking, so I don't know how these reports kind of get out there. 
But I think it's kind of a flow. It's a fluid situation. And I get it that that makes a lot of people, I hesitate to use the word uncomfortable. Are you uncomfortable about it? You're probably not uncomfortable about it, but you feel like commenting on it. And there's no way to help you having an opinion about it, whatever that might be. You know, clearly they aimed at a certain candidate. And I'm not saying that that candidate was a lock to get the gig because I don't know that. You know, maybe something would have come up in the interviewing process. You know what? It's not the right candidate. I don't know. But it was a candidate they wanted to talk to and they weren't able to because of the rules in place. So that didn't work out. So basically, they're in a state of let's just continue to dig deep here as to what we have, what we're looking for and where we're going. So I really can't share much more with you than that. I can't share the vision other than the quest is to win a championship for the city of Houston. And guess what? They have a 90-man roster. They have a quarterback that they drafted in the first round a couple of years ago who's really good. They got a lot of really good players, and they're going to get ready for the season starting late July with training camp here at the Houston Methodist Training Center, and we're all going to be there to take it in and follow it. You know, a lot of perception out there. When I listen to some of the commentary, some of the fan reaction, I look, I understand there's not a lot of information coming out of this building. It's not like you're getting a ticker tape full of stuff every day to comment on. So I understand that. But they've got the roster. They've got coaches. They're going to coach the team. It's not like because one individual is not in that GM seat that the whole thing collapses. If This reminds me of during a natural disaster, and again, the disaster being outside of the framework of what is going on with the federal government when you have a natural disaster, but they're there to make announcements that, hey, your federal government is still here. Hey, your Houston Texans organization is still here. There's a team of people. Uh, it, there's not just one cook in the kitchen and the meal's not going to get made. The meal basically is made. Eh, maybe all the ingredients are there. They're going to make it during training camp. So really, it's up to the coaches now and the players. How much deeper do I have to go into this metaphor? Maybe not very much. But I wanted to share some things with you because I always like taking inventory. Where are we? What do we really have here? I mentioned some of the individuals involved, and there are so many more. You know, I talked to Jamie Roots, president of this organization, almost daily. Bill O'Brien, I talked to him. You know, not as lengthy conversations during the offseason. It's more like, hey, coach, how's it going? But these guys are all here doing their thing. But when you look at what this franchise has been able to do over the last few years, it's pretty good. It's not great. It's not championship great. It's good. They've been one of the better teams in the NFL. I mean, when you think about it, when you think four winning seasons in the last five years, when you think of three division championships in the last four years, that's good stuff. Now, a lot of you are giving me the eye roll right now. I could see you in your car eye rolling. But I'm going to give you some information here, and some of you just evaluate this team in a vacuum, as if nobody else exists in the NFL. So you hear words like mediocre, not true. You hear words a lot worse than that, definitely not true. You forget sometimes that actually making the postseason in this league is an accomplishment. I'm not saying you don't want to do more than you have. You definitely do. But to be one of the top 12 in this league on a fairly consistent basis puts you in a very small group of teams that are doing this, okay? And losing to the Colts the way they did on Wild Card Weekend was bad. And believe me, they know it. That's why they've made some of the moves they've made, and they're going to make more. 
The first nine years of franchise history, we all know, extremely tough. It took them six years to hit 500. It took them eight years to register their first winning season. But once they broke into the postseason in 2011, which for some of you younger folks sounds like a long time ago. To me, it feels like three weeks ago. But it was a while ago. It was 2011. They broke through, made it to the postseason. They've been among the leading teams in the league in winning seasons, playoff appearances, and playoff victories. And before you eye-roll me about the AFC South, this is not a slack division, okay? You've gotten two teams into the postseason out of this division in, what, three of the— well, actually, one of the years since 2011, the Texans weren't even participating. When the Texans went 4-12, and the AFC South still got two teams into the playoffs. Two teams, all right? Last year. Two teams in the postseason, and really one of them I wish wasn't there because that was the Colts. In 2012, they got two teams into the postseason. That was the Colts and the Texans. All right, now since 2011, the Texans have won three playoff games. That's not a ton of playoff wins. I get it. They've won three playoff games since 2011. That puts them 10th in the league. 10th. All right, so it's not like you're having a parade. I get it. But you're in the top third of the league in playoff wins since you broke through into the postseason. They have six winning seasons during that time frame. What do you think that puts them? Six winning seasons since 2011. Jeez, what is that, like top half of the league? It's third. Third! Okay, what you have here is a lot of teams, you'll have a Carolina, say, they went to a Super Bowl relatively recently with Cam Newton. They lost to the Broncos in that game. I know they went to one Back in 2003, they actually played here at NRG Stadium, then Reliance Stadium. But think about this for a moment. A lot of teams kind of spike, and then they go down. And look, I'd love to spike into the Super Bowl, all right? I think we'd all love to spike to a Super Bowl championship. We'd tolerate maybe a couple of losing campaigns with a Super Bowl championship. I understand that. You haven't been able to do that yet. It doesn't mean you're not going to be able to do it. It doesn't mean you're not trying to do it. I kind of liken their situation to, at least I'd like to, to say the Baltimore Ravens when they got John Harbaugh and Joe Flacco and for five years they broke into the postseason and in the fifth year they finally broke through and won a Super Bowl. All right? Now, not everybody can be that way. I get it. But they were on a tremendous run for a while. They got to the playoffs last year, of course, with Lamar Jackson and Flacco riding the bench down the stretch. A lot of people had written them off, but they made it so good. It's a good organization. There's no doubt. But I think it's pretty interesting that six winning seasons since 2011 puts you in a tie for third in the league. Now, the AFC South, only division in the NFL that had three winning teams in 2018. Last year, this division had three winning teams. It's the only division in the NFL that had that. How can you say this is a bad division? It's not a bad division. It's fact that it's not a bad division. It's a good division. Everybody looks at the AFC East and says, oh, the Patriots. Well, that's right. It's the Patriots. The Buffalo Bills, the Miami Dolphins, and the New York Jets have had spikes. The Jets had two AFC Championship game appearances back-to-back. The Dolphins have had a couple of playoff appearances since the Patriots broke through with the Brady-Belichick era. That's it, though. Two playoff appearances. The Bills have had one. That division stinks other than the Patriots. Now, is that because the Patriots are so great that the other three teams stink, or is it because... Uh, I can't say the Patriots are great because the other three teams are no good. You can't say that. It's not fair because they've they've won Super Bowls. They've gone to many. They do well in the playoffs. But it's interesting how that division has not been that good 
and the Patriots have been able to feast on it, so more credit to them. I'm not going to sit here and do that comparison, but it's worth throwing it out there. My point is this. The inventory says the Texans have been a good franchise. Not great championship franchise, but a good franchise that gets to the postseason. They're in the top 10, top 6, however you want to define it, in the league. That's a fact, but it hasn't been enough. They haven't broken through past the divisional round. They'll be the first to tell you that. They want to do it. Cal McNair, in evaluating this team, decided, listen, we're on a path here with the current administration. They had to make a change. That's why he did it, because he feels like making that change and finding a better way will result in better on-field performance. And that is it. That's why he's doing it, boys and girls. That's why they're making the change. Now, you might say, And I've heard this, too. Well, they only made the change because they thought they could get the guy from New England. Listen, how does that even make sense? It's not even logical. That implies that they were happy with things, but they would be a little bit happier or maybe a lot happier with somebody else. That's not a reason to make the change in the first place. It's not. That's not it. They were going to make this change anyway. And here, I mean, it's just sheer logic telling me that. And then you move on and you try to get better from there. Okay. I know I kind of went all out on you there with some information, a lot of numbers about this franchise, about what they've been able to do in the last few years, but they're on a path. They've got good, good talent on this team, man. You've got a quarterback. You've got a path here to do some really fun things this season. It's a really tough schedule. We're all going to be there to enjoy it, but I get it. They're in a state of flux right now. Don't exactly know how it's going to play out. It's kind of interesting to talk about. And they're working on it. And we'll have more information. I mean, we'll be right here with any information that we get to talk about it and share it with you. But I want to spend a lot of the rest of the show, most of it, as a matter of fact, talking football, talking about some of the things we are looking forward to, looking at, looking for once the team gets to training camp. And you'll hear from some of your Houston Texans, including some under-the-radar players, a guy like Josh Ferguson trying to make it onto this roster in the running back group. And he was mentioned at the podium by Bill O'Brien last week. So we'll hear from him what he has to say about being part of this mix and trying to make a difference on the Houston Texans in 2019. Great to have you listening tonight. Stick around. It's Texans All Access. Okay, getting the expected Twitter reaction from that first segment. Mark Vandermeer with you, Texans All Access. Tonight here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, great to have you with us. And it's a busy, busy week for us all, right? A lot of you have summer plans. Happy Father's Day a day late. I had a very busy one, as many of you did. I tried to take a nap. Didn't happen. Six-year-old wouldn't let it happen. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Look, they wanted attention. There's almost got to be like a Father's Day off. You know, that's what we're seeking. You know, we love the kids and the family and everything, but sometimes we just want a day, a day to just play golf or whatever. Maybe some of you got that, so congratulations. All right, hitting it right back here. Uh, top stories heading into training camp. We'll get into that in just a second here. I wanted to point something out, and I'll address this maybe a little bit more in the next segment, but the Texans Top 100. We have Top 100 moments in Texans organizational history. This isn't just on the field, but off the field as well. And the 100 countdown, you're seeing so many of them around the league because it's the 100th birthday of the NFL, so we thought we'd celebrate. Look, we've only been around since 2002 franchise granted in 1999 so it's not like you have this plethora of moments i mean the bears can you imagine being in those meetings they got a thousand you know what happened with the decatur staley's and leather helmets uh our meeting still was long though because we needed to come up 
with 100 moments on field and off, and we had so many great off-field organizational moments, things that the Texans have done for the city of Houston, individuals in Houston. Today's moment was so cool. It was in 2007. Now, it involved a player who really didn't do anything here, Amon Green. Injuries derailed him here. But when the Texans signed him as a free agent, he was a four-time Pro Bowler from the Green Bay Packers, and he was paired to go with Matt Schaub, who was acquired in a trade with Atlanta that offseason, so it was going to be a big deal, but it never panned out for Green. However, he wanted the number 30 from Jason Simmons, who was kind of a player favorite. I don't know if the fans, if I'd call him a fan favorite, but he was definitely a player favorite. They loved him in that defensive backfield room. Anyway, Simmons wore 30. Green wanted it. Usually a little cash is exchanged and. The veteran player, the established player. Simmons was established at his own level, but Green was a four-time Pro Bowler. He wanted the number, so he offered something to Simmons, and Simmons said, you know what, let's go ahead and buy a house for a single mom. At least put the down payment down and enable her to get a home. And that's exactly what they did. So read about it on HoustonTexans.com back in 2007. Instead of Simmons getting the money for the number 30, he funneled it, and they did it together. For a 37-year-old single mother raising a 7-year-old kid with autism. And it was a really special time, a really special moment. And it's in the 80s. We're in the 80s right now. One of our top 100 moments. It's on HoustonTexans.com. All right, obviously the big story right now with the Texans is what's happening at the general manager's spot with Brian Gain relieved from duties a week ago Friday. And the story last Friday about the Texans not going after Nick Casario from the New England Patriots anymore. All of that stuff. But let's get into some of the on-field stories. Heading into training camp, and I brought in my buddies Drew Doherty and D.P. Sidhu from HoustonTexans.com, Texans TV, Texans Radio, to talk about this. Okay, so D.P., let's start with you. What would be your first? I mean, I'm going to take the easy one. This could be one, two, and three, but I think the O-line and all the questions surrounding how the young guys are going to do out there uh, between Max Sharping and Titus Howard, are both of them going to earn starting spots? After training camp, no one's seen this offensive line, the 2019 version, in pads yet. And this was one of my top stories heading into OTAs as well. I wrote something on HoustonTexans.com. And I said, even though they're not in pads, you don't really get a true sense of how they're going to play together. That's what everyone's going to be watching. And Mm -hmm. Bill O'Brien got asked about it multiple times throughout his press conferences in the last month. But, I mean, I think once the pads come on, that's what everyone's going to be watching the O-line. And it's been one of the key uh, areas that the Texans have been trying to improve. That was one of mine. And... I can't wait to see how it how much it crystallizes basically the first day of camp through the first week of camp through the second week of camp yeah. through the games. I mean, it's going to change, I think, quite a bit from time to time to time to time, and then it's going to look different than what we saw the first day of camp compared to what we see Monday Night Football at New Orleans when the season opens. And I think Bill O'Brien said this the other day. He said he really likes, relative to not wearing pads, how they've improved their knowledge and their footwork. But I wonder how much of that's going to change the coach's perception of what they know about the players once the pads come on. Because I think once they see them in pads, what if their perceptions of the players changes? Like all of a sudden, this player looks better at this position rather than this player. You know, I, I I just think that, you know, are the veterans going to come in and sort of win their spots again, or are the rookies going to show something that they haven't showed so far? Tell Bill O'Brien to turn his radio down right about now, please. Okay, coach, go to music. Go to the spot. Because Listen to Madonna. 
Super Tramp. Super Tramp. Do they play that on the spot? I Does don't he know. listen to Madonna? I no, don't know. probably I, I think Max Sharping is going to be really good. And I think he's yeah. going to be really good really soon. I think he's going to be – I think he'll be a starter week one. So I week don't know, one. And I don't know where, but mm-hmm. I think he's going to start week one. Well, yeah, Titus Howard, first-round draft and choice. I think he's going to be really good too, but I just think a little bit quicker. Howard might start as well yeah. week one, but I think – Sharping is very, very impressive very early on. There are a lot of variables here. And just to see them line up through OTAs, you thought, okay, maybe this is a vision. Maybe this line you're seeing, this particular version this day, is the one you're going to see. But I want to see what Julian Davenport does after that full season of playing, basically. And then offseason and the determination. We had him in this studio a while ago, and he just seemed like not a different guy, but just a guy who's growing up in his NFL life. So let's see how that pans out as well. Give me your second. The secondary. Especially the cornerbacks. I think the safety position, we have a pretty good idea of who's starting back there. I think, Gibson. I think you're better at safety this year than yeah. you were last year. Because I don't know if you're got... better, but I think the questions that were raised with Tyron and Kareem leaving, I think they feel good with where they're at. With Justin Reed. See, I think they're better because you get more starting Jaleel, experience. Jaleel I mean, those three, yeah. Justin Reed had the least amount of starts out of those three guys last That's year. True. The other two, Tashawn Gibson started all 16 for the Jaguars. Jaleel Adai started all 16 for the Chargers. They won a playoff game. He's your third safety now. I mean, he's yep. taking the spot of Andre Howe. I mean, he's got a lot of experience. And then Justin Reed looks like he's on the way to a Pro Bowl career. I mean, I think you're looking really, really good there at the way back end of the, the second. Okay, but with that being said, that means the questions that remain at cornerback are still there because Absolutely, a yeah. few storylines have emerged throughout OTAs, specifically with the health of certain players, because you see guys sort of get banged up, come back. Um, I know Bill was asked about Bradley Roby, who came back towards the end of OTAs, but then Lonnie Johnson wasn't out there practicing. Uh, you know, who's going to be the starter opposite J. Joe? Is it going to be Body Calhoun? We see Jermaine Kelly come back. And he's got the most experience out of the new guys because he was here last year. This is even where he wasn't playing. When I talked about options, this applies. And then Aaron Colvin. Aaron Colvin. I th- see. I think when you look at the corner position, you're looking at that slot, and then you're saying who's the outside guy. Now, I think Brian Body Calhoun and Aaron Colvin can battle it out for that slot corner. Maybe Crawford as well. I don't know who else. But when you look at that outside corner opposite J. Joe, and let's just pray J. Joe doesn't realize that he's getting a little older because I think he could still run. He looks pretty spry out there, so that's great. But then you look at the opposite side. You do have Kelly as a dark horse. You have Roby, who has a lot of experience. I think you're better there than you think. I just don't think you're great. You can't say that on paper right now. But I think you're better than you were because Kareem had to play inside a lot last year. You didn't have Kevin Johnson. Right, So that didn't work out. You got Kayvon Webster, but he could never get on the field because he was banged up. So I think if these guys could stay healthy, you'll find somebody who can play. You were playing guts of the game with Sharice Wright and Deontay Burton and players like that and winning some of these games, winning 11 games overall. I think you'll find somebody, but you got to stay healthy there. This is it's. I hate saying that. It's like saying you have to outscore the opponent. But with health, I think you'll have enough options to find something there that works. Something's got to happen. Well, hey, with health, if we want to play the with health game. Yeah, with health. You go on the other side of the ball, Mm -hmm. with health, how are you going to slow this offense down? If Will Fuller, Hopkins, and QT are all there, how in the hell are you going to slow these guys down? Now, they got to stay healthy. Yeah. But you're looking at an, I mean, uber explosive 30 to 35 points per game Offense with those three guys in the Uber field. Uber explosive. I don't have that option on the app. <laughs> and then, I, I don't, somehow that doesn't come and up. And then you factor in the tight ends and what they can do. I mean, Which, we, saw, we saw what. That's very exciting. Some that's of the formations they watch. had. I mean, yeah, yeah like they're, they're going to have a lot of options on offense. 
knock on wood, with yeah. health. I uh, but the, the receiver group, you look at Vincent Smith and then, you know, DeAndre Carter has to be on this team, right? I mean, at least from where we sit right now, he's got to be on this team. Thanks. Well, there's five right there if Smith is an automatic go. And then you have all these intriguing young prospects that – Somehow you have to hide them. I mean, can we get a farm team somewhere? Can we do something? Triple A, you hate to see them try to get these guys out of the practice squad because if they perform well in the preseason games, you might not be able to pull that off. But between the Johnny Dixons of the world and Floyd and uh, Floyd Allen, and then you look at Tyron Johnson, and there are a number of other guys who are interesting. They're just a lot faster. If you, you know, if you rewind about four years, think about how much faster this wide receiver core is than it used to be. Yeah. Hopkins is Hopkins is fast, and he was fast then. Yeah. But then you've got Will Fuller. I mean, he's a deer. You've never really had guys like that. I mean, Andre Davis way back when, but yeah. he wasn't as productive. Now you got Kiki QT. Vincent Smith is pretty darn fast. He's a burner. I mean, you have gotten a lot faster than you were at that position. You're right. The offense has a chance to be explosive. Do you have any other storylines for me? I wrote about this yesterday on HoustonTexans.com. I think the third running back spot is an interesting one just because you lose hmm. Alfred Blue in free agency. You don't draft a running back, which a lot of people thought that the Texans were going to do. But they have seven running backs on this roster. And you know it's Lamar Miller and Deontay Foreman. It's been great to see Foreman back out there healthy. Lamar Miller is obviously healthy. You know what he can do. So there's your one, too. But who's going to be that third guy to sort of relieve them, especially when one of them, if one of them gets hurt during the season or you have to take them off the field for whatever reason? So with that being said, I was surprised a little bit that, and I was talking to you guys about this off the air, that Bill O'Brien said Josh Ferguson. Ferguson uh, has had a really good offseason because it's been so hard to tell without pads. Mm-hmm. You'll hear from him later on in this program. Yeah, and, and I asked Lamar Miller about it as well. I said, what have you seen out of him? And and he described him as someone who's a little bit smaller, a quicker guy. He can do some things out of the backfield. That he's a playmaker. So he has done some things here in OTAs. Okay, we could go on and on with the top storylines heading into training camp, but I thought we'd just cut it right there. Thanks a lot, guys. And let's get into this. Josh Ferguson, you mentioned him. I want to hear from him. Let's hear from him next. Running back, trying to get into the mix in that Texans backfield. We'll hear from Josh. It's coming up on Texans All Access. Inside the building, NRG Stadium, Mark Vandermeer with you, Texans All Access. And a lot of things going on with this franchise right now, as you know, as you know, the general manager situation is in flux right now, and they are in a process. Obviously, they interviewed a couple of candidates, as you heard, and they went for another candidate that was unavailable, as it turned out. So where do you go from here? And I wish I had more to share with you, but I went over the inventory of the entire franchise pretty much in the opening segment and all that they have and the fact that it's not like you're at a restaurant and it's time to serve dinner and there isn't a cook in the kitchen. You got a lot of cooks, you got a lot of food, you got a lot of great things, and dinner will be served and it will be very good. They'll figure out how to set everything up management-wise, and it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, it'll be interesting. We'll all be interested in seeing how they put it together. I mentioned the musical Hamilton and that song, The Room Where It Happens. I am not actually in the room where it happens. Listen, I love what I do. I talk about this stuff. I call the games. This is my joy. This is my bliss. This is my passion. And I love analyzing it like you do, too. And I get some of the analysis that's been out there, as incorrect as it may be. No, I get some of the analysis because there's not a flow of information coming out of here right now. And I don't know if there needs to be at the very moment as they figure things out. All right? That's all I can share with you right now about that. But I will share this with you. I mentioned it. We're going to talk football tonight. We're going to go on field 
And in the backfield, you have numerous players. DP brought it up in the last segment. Seven running backs in the mix. Now, of course, Lamar Miller, Pro Bowler there. Deontay Foreman, we all want to see what he does in year three. Coming back fully healthy from the get-go this year. But here's a guy, Josh Ferguson, and I brought up the Justin Forsett thing last week a little bit. You know, Justin Forsett was a guy who played for a couple of years but then really got it revved up with the Texans as a backup to Arian Foster and then exploded a couple of years after he left here with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Ferguson. I'm just saying that running backs sometimes need the right opportunity to shine and let's see if it can happen with Josh this year. Really fast guy who Bill O'Brien mentioned at the podium last week. And John Harrison, I had a chance to visit with Josh and talk to him about what it was like to become part of the Houston Texans in 2018. It was awesome to join the team uh, last year and watch the success that they did have. And I'm really excited about this upcoming season. Josh, for people that haven't had a chance to see you play, and I remember seeing you at Illinois, and I was like, well, he's got some juice. Sure. What would you tell the Texans fans, like, hey, man, I haven't had a chance to see you play. Like, what are you all about? Like, what what will fans see when they get a chance to watch you play? Yeah, speed guy, uh, quickness. I like to catch the ball and really do whatever I'm asked. But um, catching has been a little bit of my forte since college, so definitely looking to exploit that a bit. What is it like as a professional when you're – I mean, you've been with two other squads that are bitter rivals of this team. You know, yeah, the Patriots yeah. and the Colts, my gosh. Sure. So what is it like, though, when you have different addresses like that where you're working and you're trying to catch on and, and just <laughs> operate on a consistent basis sure. for many years? Yeah, yeah, last season was a bit uh, <laughs> more difficult than the seasons past uh, with all the moving, but um, it was a blessing in disguise. I learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about being a professional, and uh, it's good to be in a bit of a home now. So, Josh, but, what about this running back room? You got yeah. Lamar, you got Deontay, guys that have been around for a little bit. You're in there, buddy's in there. And then you bring in, I guess he's in your room because he's a fullback. Colin Glaspia, yeah, yeah, yeah. 12th man, comes in. What's that running back room like? It's thick in there, man. <laughs> it's thick in there, no doubt. Um, the competition <laughs> is high, but that's NFL football. Shoot, that's, that's sports in general. So I'm excited to be a part of it. we got some good guys. Uh, it's been a pleasure learning from uh, Lamar and competing with the rest of in OTAs, for the running backs, you're not really getting hit. So what's really important to you in that environment? I'd say the first step for a guy like me is to show him that you can learn the playbook, go out there and execute the playbook, um, you know, catch the ball, make uh, all the right cuts, the right reads, and fulfill all your assignments and techniques. So I think that's the biggest thing, showing that you have the mental capacity to play this game. There's Josh Ferguson running back for your Houston Texans, and some of you may have tuned in thinking, why isn't he talking about the Ben Volan article? Well, that's an opinion piece. You can talk about how other people might be unhappy with their situation if you want, but I really can't comment on that because I don't know. So there's that. And, look, I do speculate on the show. We do from time to time. But that's a little touchy, if you know what I'm saying. We're a team show, so let's just leave it at that. Let's talk about this, though. I want to get back to the on-field stuff. And we do two minutes with a Texan sometimes. This is fun. Angelo Blackson is a player a lot of you have heard about. You've heard his name. He's made some plays for this team. You're thinking, Angelo Blackson. It's not like he was a first-round draft choice. In fact, he was drafted in the fourth round by the Tennessee Titans. But didn't catch on there. He's caught on here. And he got a new deal in the offseason, as a matter of fact. He's part of the depth on that D-line. Drew Doherty visited with him and talked about what the goal was for 2019. You know, it's going to remain the same, and I'm going to be very consistent. I'm going to be that guy that's going to come to work every day, push, you know, the guys to, to work hard, and just going to be, a, you know, a part on this team that can't go without it. And that's just my goal is to always be consistent, man, and just do what I do. 
you got a teammate in Brianne Body Calhoun who's from your hometown. You guys are both from Wilmington. You guys played AAU hoops together. Yeah. How awesome was that seeing him come to the Texas? It was great, man. It was great. And, you know, when he signed, you know, the first thing I did was kind of reach out to him and, you know, let him know that I'm here, man. And, it, and it's not often that, you know, guys from our home city playing the league. So it was awesome to, you know, actually be on the same team with him and, you know, we can represent together, man. That's the guy that I came up with. Wilmington is a big place, but it's like you say, you don't hear as much about NFL mm-hmm. players. How much pride do you, you guys take in that? How much pride do you take in that? Man, it's unbelievable, man. I, I just, every day, you know, I try to work just knowing where I come from and knowing what I've seen and it's just awesome to be able to say that, you know, I made it and then look at other guys around the league and it's not just us two, you know, we, you know, we're doing the thing. So that, that's, that's what it's about. What's it like playing for Anthony Weaver? It's awesome, man. It, you know, we know the players and he, he knows how to best get them in a position to make plays. And that's one thing you, you can't, you know, ask for. You, 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 that guy is unbelievable and he just wants the guys to succeed. When you were at Auburn, you were a hell of a kick blocker. You, you got it done. We going to see any of that here? Man, that, that, my, my goal is, you know, I'm on the green team and it, it's a little harder, but at the end of the day, you know, it's about effort and you never know when it, when it might open it up for you. So each play, I'm going to go. How much fun is that when you actually get a hand or finger on a It's awesome. It's awesome because you know, most of the time it's a miss, but sometimes it might sneak through there, but still, like that's points off the board, so it's awesome. It's awesome. You win 11 games as a team in 2018. It means you got a good defense. What's the defense going to be like this year, you think? Man, look, we're just working to improve, man. We're getting guys back, and we're, you know, we're in the molding phase right now and getting it together, so that's all it's about, man. We want to do a lot better than we did last year. There's Drew Doherty with Angelo Blackson. Now we'll shift gears and go to the O-line. Stay in the trenches here as we talk about on-field stuff heavy tonight because, listen, I love this game. I got to tell you this. I'm in my office today, and I have the NFL Network on. It's not silent. I might have the volume down very low. But they've been running playoff games from years past, and today they ran the 2002 season playoffs. So it actually occurred in 2003. Giants 49ers. And Jeff Garcia and Kerry Collins going at it. Garcia was a Texan for like 15 minutes in the 2011 season when everybody was hurt in that quarterback room. And Collins, who the Texans have seen numerous times as a giant, as a titan, as whatever else he was. So it was a fun game, and it ended with the botched field goal attempt by the Giants that would have won the contest for them. T.O. was a 49er. Anyway, I bring that up because... I love the game. You love the game. We all want to get back to it as soon as possible. I know there's some stuff going on here in the building, and we touched on it several times during this show, but I want to keep it between the lines right now. And Let's get to a player that's entering year two. Year one didn't maybe go according to plan, but I don't know what the plan is for an O-lineman when you come in and in your very first game, you're thinking you're a backup guy, but man, backup guys have to be ready, right? So he ends up on the field against the New England Patriots when Chantrell Henderson gets hurt. I'm referring to Martinez Rankin, third-round draft choice in 2018. Let's see what happens in 2019. Obviously, they've beefed up on the offensive line. We'll see how that all works out. But Drew Doherty visited with Martinez Rankin, spending two minutes with a Texan. How amped up are you for 2019? Ready to go. Just trying to i stay healthy so I can, you know, maximize my opportunities this offseason and have a big year, set the tone, set the ball high. How challenging was that you get here and then just a few days in you have what happened? Very challenging. You can't be frustrating, but you can't let it get to you. The hardest part was from coming into a new level and I don't get to 
trained as hard as I, I really need to because I had to rehab. But all in all, it was a challenge, and it made me better for to set up this year. Yeah, how much did you learn about yourself last year? That I can fight through anything. Whether how bad it was or how good it was, I can fight through anything. When the season ended, what was the one or two big goals that O'Brien and Devlin had in front of you? What they want you to accomplish? What they want you to work on? Number one, maybe kicking inside, and then you know working on the pulling as a guard. That was the, the main goals I got from them. And challenges for my well, goals for myself was just being more locked in to, you know, my diet and just really being in touch with myself. So when it's time to go, you know, I set the bar high. Like I, I made a lot of goals this year and so many that I can't even name. And you can make those goals and you have that confidence, I'm guessing in part because of all the different spots you played in college at a high level. Is that kind of an accurate statement, you think? Uh, I would say so, but more than anything, you know, I know that number one is being confident. That's the number one goal as an offensive lineman. If you're not confident, you know, you probably lost before you even, before the play started. So my mindset is just being, staying confident every day, coming in, working hard, and just being confident in what I'm doing. So when it's time to go, that I can be a guy that's counted on. I've asked this of a lot of your teammates, but you brought up confidence. What makes you confident? What gets you confident? Preparation. That's the number one thing, I believe, for confidence. Preparation, knowing that you put in the work in the offseason, during the week, going into the game. From a mental point standpoint to a physical standpoint, it's all about preparation, I, I say, and just believing in yourself, knowing that you did with it whatever it took, and knowing that you, you're you going to dominate the guy in front of you. Which of your teammates gets you most pumped up? I would say Greg Mance, because he's a guy, he's a, a pump-around guy. Everybody else is kind of just mellow, but he's the guy that's fired up all the time. So he's probably him and Joe Webb, those two right there. Joe Webb, really? Joe Webb and Greg. Them two, they always bring energy every day at practice, and they bring the same energy on game day. Is it the stuff they say? Is it the stuff they do? I mean, what is it? It's more about the stuff that they do. Like I said, they bring the energy. Everybody else is kind of, you know, kind of in their zone. I'm kind of a guy like that, but when I look at them, I know they're going to be happy. Looking around, you see everybody that love football, and everybody got their unique ways, but them the two guys that really, like, pump us up. What was your perception of the NFL, and how did it change once you got into the league? What did you think about the level of play coming in versus how, how you saw it? I wouldn't even say that it changed. I knew that every down counted is a grown man's game. And really, for me, getting me knowing that beforehand and getting there to, pl- to play in the NFL, it, it just confirmed everything that I thought about it before, that it's a grown man's game. So, you know, the man next to you, he got a family to feed, but I got a family to feed too, so I got to give my all. He's going to give his all, and the best man going to win, but I'm going to be that best man. There's Drew Doherty with Martinez Rankin. Now, he mentioned Joe Webb, and I could talk about Joe Webb all day. I think Joe Webb is the kind of player, we're referring to the third-string quarterback for your Texans, Joe Webb is the kind of player that I got to think Bill O'Brien and Brad Seeley trot him out in front of the team, the young guys, and say, look at Joe Webb. Or maybe he just can tell stories in the cafeteria about being drafted, and the young guys can ask, well, you are drafted by who? I was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings as what? A wide receiver? But I ended up playing quarterback for them and started a playoff game because he was a quarterback in college, of course. He's a quarterback here, but he also played some wide out here. He played special teams. He can do it all, and I love having him around on this roster. I didn't mean to take away from Rankin there. It was a nice visit with Rankin by Drew Doherty there. All right, a couple of things happening around the National Football League. Josh McCown announced his retirement. 16 seasons in the NFL. All right, this is not like Tom Brady calling it quits. I get it. But it's notable to me from a Texan standpoint, and I'll tell you why. Josh McCown was part of the 2002 draft class. Think about that for a moment. 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, you're looking at a guy who was in with David Carr and Joey Harrington. Carr drafted number one. Harrington drafted number three. McCown, nowhere to be found near the top. In fact, Patrick Ramsey was the only other quarterback drafted in the first round that year. He went to Washington. He didn't exactly play for a long time. So the top three guys in that draft at the signal caller position don't really last very long at all. But Josh McCown lasts until today as he calls it quits. And no, he was never a high-level quarterback. But there's something about guys who play a long time and just sort of hang around and are able to stick. Now, he started a bunch of games, and he helped young quarterbacks develop. But this league is about so much more than the stars. This league is really about those other guys who help the stars win and who support the young quarterbacks coming up, in the case of Josh McCown. Uh, The other quarterback name that comes to mind, and it's a different context here, but Mike Quinn, who played quarterback... Do I say played, Mike? I mean, if Mike's listening right now, he's like, I don't know if I would say played. But he was a quarterback for the NFL, and he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Colts, Cowboys, Dolphins, Texans, Broncos, played in the CFL for a couple of teams. He played a long time. Lifetime stats in the NFL, two for three. He hung around for a while and was able to make a living in this league, and it's so interesting to me how players are able to do this. You know, some guys could just stick around for a long time. I remember when Aaron Glenn was a Texan, he would talk about playing as long as Daryl Green did, who played for 100 years for the Washington Redskins. Now, Aaron didn't last as long as Green, but he lasted a long time in the NFL. In fact, remember, after he left the Texans, he played for Bill Parcells in Dallas, and he had kind of like this Roger Clemens deal going. Aaron Glenn used to play on the weekends for the Cowboys and then come home, and he didn't have to report until Wednesday morning. Now, Monday is often a day off if players win at a certain time in the season, but that was Bill Parcells showing mad respect for Aaron Glenn, who was at the tail end of his career. Aaron's a coach now. He's a secondary coach, so clearly Parcells knew what he had in Aaron Glenn, which was a guy who understood everything very well on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and he felt like his influence was so good on the younger guys, but he wasn't in the building on a lot of Mondays because he was here in Houston. He still lived in the Houston area and enjoyed coming home, and uh, that was the deal. That's how he handled his life. He'd fly back on Tuesday night, and he was able to be a Cowboy again. Then he ended up with the Saints, ended up coaching for the Saints. So I I just find it interesting when guys are able to last a long time in this league. Aaron Glenn was a much higher-level player than Josh McCown. Don't get me wrong, but McCown calls it quits today. Another reminder about your Texans Top 100. We are flowing through. We're in the 80s now. I mentioned today was the story where Amon Green and Jason Simmons team up to give a single woman with an autistic child a down payment on a house to enable her to have a great place to live. And that's a terrific off-field story. We have many more great off-field stories coming your way in the top 100. But, you know, we got a lot of good on-field moments as well. They are on the way. A lot of you think top 100. You automatically go to what's number one, what's number two. Listen, let it breathe a little bit, okay? It's summertime. We still have a lot of time here before the opener Monday night against the New Orleans Saints. And those of you just tuning in, why is he so happy? Why is he so happy? There's stuff going on. Listen, what are, what are you going to do? Just wait a minute here. It'll get resolved. Everything's going to get resolved. This too shall pass. As I mentioned before, I can't come up with any better metaphor than you have enough cooks in the kitchen to prepare the meal and it's going to be a good one, okay? And I'll go back to what my friend Drew Doherty always says. Number four. You have number four. You have a quarterback here. You have a good situation. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun this year. But I know 
state of flux here. It's a process. Let's just see as they dig deep, try to find a way to get this thing resolved one way or another. I'm not exactly sure what the path's going to be, but we will share it with you. You can bet on that. want to thank everyone for listening and contributing tonight. Thank you very much, Joseph, for producing. Stay tuned to Sports Radio 610. All the late-breaking news on your Texans, all the speculation, all the conversation, it's all here on Sports Radio 610. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans.